There's a song I love to sing of Jesus Christ, my King, of how he came to earth as a babe one day, born in a stable, in a manger he lay. How the bright star shining did herald his birth. God as a man had come down to earth. The wise men traveling from afar led to the stable by the shining star. Brought gifts of frankincense, myrrh and gold to welcome the king that the prophets foretold. Angels on high to the shepherds did sing a song of glory to welcome the king. But Herod, the king of the Jews, they say feared for his kingdom on that day and sent his soldiers with their swords to slay the king that is the Lord. Then an angel appeared to Joseph and Mary, said, Take the babe, you must not tarry. Flee to Egypt to save his life, that Herod would take with the edge of the knife. So to Egypt with the babe they did flee, and when Herod was dead, returned to Galilee, where the babe grew into a man so tall, whose mission on earth was to save us all. From his life to the age of 30, we know little about, except he did grow within the knowledge of his father above, and full of the wonder of his father's love, a love so great that we can't understand, a love far exceeding the wisdom of man. This message of love he did patiently teach bringing salvation within everyone's reach. Not all who heard believed what he taught. Some felt that salvation must be personally bought. His message to them was foolish and more. It took from them power. They could not endure this itinerant preacher, this carpenter's son, who blasphemed that he and the Father were one. So they plotted in secret, a way must be found to silence this upstart from Nazareth town. Their efforts at entrapment had miserably failed, but with Passover coming, their plan now entailed betrayal by one of his own small band, Judas, would deliver them into his hands. The trial that they held for Jesus, my King, was a mockery of justice that finally did bring my Lord to the cross, where for my sins he died. Between two thieves he was crucified. But the grave could not hold him, He rose up again three days after they crucified him. 
And now with his Father in heaven he reigns, awaiting the day he will come back again in power and in glory to rule as the King over all who believe in this message I bring. Thank you. Take your Bibles and go with me to Luke in the 23rd chapter, Luke 23, and I don't have as much challenge this week as I did last with the time and everything, and um, I want to make sure that I'm respecting uh, those of you who have family uh, plans, and uh, really appreciate uh, everything that's taken place this morning. Uh, you know, the emphasis of Christmas should be Christ. Um, Really, there's nothing else to say. <laughs> That's the emphasis. Um, but I thought we needed a reminder today, and remembering is not always easy to do. Um, in fact, it was illustrated in my life just last week. Last Sunday, um, my family got together at the house, and all, my, all of our boys were there, and um, our middle son, in fact, just was recently engaged. He'll be getting married sometime, bless his heart. And, um, and so uh, he actually is down in Florida uh, today. And so last Sunday was the time we were going to get together and exchange gifts and, and have time together. And so everybody's opening their gifts. And, and I like when my wife opens her gifts uh, that I have for her uh, when the boys are there. I want them to, to, to see what their father has given to their mother. And so... I was real proud of the gift, and I had spent a lot of time kind of online researching where to get all this. You know, she likes Pandora jewelry. And so, uh, and our family, we can agree on one team, and that's the New York Yankees. So I was going to get Teresa, and I did, a a Pandora, what do you call those things? Charm. A charm. I don't even know what you call them. A charm. And she has several charms uh, that I have bought her over the years. And so I was just so excited, and she got that gift, and she was opening it up, and and she looked at it, and then she looked at me. And she said, Dad, I already have one of these. (laughs) And I said, really? So for the rest of the day, it was the gift that I gave to Teresa that was the subject of conversation. (laughs) You know, remembering is, as you get older, right, it is uh, difficult. And I think sometimes, especially in this time of year, with all the things that go on in our culture as it relates to Christmas, I think it's hard to remember at times, even for us, what we truly celebrate. You know, we don't just celebrate the birth of our Savior. We celebrate his life, his perfect life. We celebrate his death and what his death accomplished on the cross at Calvary. You know, John, uh, in First John, said he, he was the satisfaction, the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. That's, that's what John writes. And, and so his death satisfied, but, but we know that he was buried and we know that he rose again and and so as we come today to celebrate Christmas 
you know, in the birth of our Savior, we celebrate more than that. We celebrate his life, we celebrate his death, we celebrate his resurrection, we celebrate his coming again. And um, I was thinking, you know, we need to remember that. And, and as the Lord brought my attention to the word, he took me to Luke 23. You know the expression from the mouth of babes, right? You hear that a lot, from the mouth of babes. Well, from the mouth of a criminal come two profound statements that we do not need to forget. And um, I wanted to share those with you this morning. Look down in chapter 23 of Luke's Gospel, verse 39. It says, And one of the criminals who were hanged there were hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew and to the Gospel of Mark, you'll find that not only was one criminal hurling abuse at the Savior, but both were. So what takes place there at Calvary um, is really one of those but-God moments. Because it begins with both of the thieves, both of the criminals, hurling abuse at the Lord as they themselves were hanging on the tree. And so one of the criminals said, hey, listen, if you're the Messiah, if you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. It's interesting that now, at this point in verse 40, but the other answered and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Something has happened to this man that's hanging there on the cross. And what's the answer? The answer is the Lord. That's what happened. The Lord. Just like you. You remember when you were lost? And do you remember that moment when the Spirit of God convicted you of your sin? You remember that? And you said, yes, Lord, I'm guilty. That's exactly what happens here. Look in verse 41 of this chapter this criminal reminds us that man is guilty. Look at verse um, 41. And we indeed, he says, justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our, our deeds. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, and this is really pretty profound. He's not just saying, I'm guilty. But do you know from that cross as he's hanging there, he is saying to that other criminal what? What's the pronoun there? We. We're guilty. Not only am I guilty, but you're guilty. And what was that other criminal going to do about it? Nothing. He's hanging there on the tree, about ready to die. And so from this criminal's mouth, he pronounces himself guilty and the other man guilty. And guys, just so that you know, we're all guilty. All of us are guilty could have been any of us hanging on that tree on the other side of Christ. Both of those criminals were guilty. In fact, notice what it says in verse 41. He says, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. <laughs> That's quite a statement. Not only are we guilty, but we're getting what we deserve. Now guys, the Bible tells us that you and I are guilty. Look at these verses, Mark chapter 7, 
verses 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, and adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these things proceed from within and defile the man. All man is guilty. And then Romans, Paul writes, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So on that cross, as he hung there next to Christ, he pronounced his own guilt. He said, we're guilty. And what we're getting, we deserve. Now I want you to listen to this. You and I are guilty, but if we're in Christ, we're not going to get what we deserve. We're not going to get it. We deserve the cross. We deserve the shame. We deserve the suffering. We deserved all that. And as I was thinking about that this last week, I was like, wow! On that cross, that thief came to understand because of the Spirit of God, that he needed a Savior. <laughs> we know that from the rest of the story. Do you know, I was telling somebody before the service began, I could do a series just on the thief probably for about 10 weeks. It's that good. And I only have a few minutes. But the first thing that we see from this story is that he pronounces that man is guilty. So maybe you're sitting in here today and you might have the question, does that mean me? That means you. What does that mean you? Thad, you're the pastor, that means you? Yeah, it means me, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I needed a savior. And on that cross, that man pronounces not only his guilt, but that what he was receiving, he, he actually um, deserved. But that's not only what he says on the cross, but notice the second thing, well, let me share this with you about from C.S. Lewis first. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He says, We have a strange illusion that mere time cancels sin. But mere time does nothing either to the fact of sin or to the guilt of sin. <laughs> I was thinking about that as I was thinking, man, I'm guilty. Man, I'm guilty. I don't know what it's been. I was sharing with a friend the last couple of weeks. Man, I, just for whatever reason... I have been seeing my fallenness the last two weeks like never before. I'm a fallen man. I'm a guilty man. I'm saved, but I'm guilty. I deserve the cross. Well, he pronounces man's guilt, but secondly, he says the Lord is innocent. Notice the end of verse 41. He says, And we indeed justly, for we're receiving what we deserve for our deeds... Notice what he says, but this man has done nothing wrong. So from the mouth of this criminal, this thief, who we don't know what he knew about the Lord up to this point. We have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us. We know this from the cross. This man changed. He changed to the point where he said, this man has done nothing wrong. He is innocent. In fact, the scriptures verify over and over the innocence of Christ. One of my favorites is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, where it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are. And what's that last phrase? Yet without what? Yet without sin. 
yet without sin. He was innocent. He didn't deserve the cross. And you know what's amazing, guys? When you think about Roman crucifixion and how brutal it was, and I'm thinking, you know, Thad Blunt deserved that. So I have this picture that as Jesus Christ is carrying his cross, as he goes up on Mount Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull, and he is put on the cross, and, 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 and he has in his hands and in his feet those nails and the crown of thorns on his head and, and, and the lashings that he had received on his back, and, and he died. And I deserve that. But he took it for me. And do you know if you're sitting here today and you're in Christ, you know that. He took it for you. He died on the cross for you, the Bible says. So, the question becomes, what do we do with that truth? What do we do with what the Bible tells us as it relates to Christ? Are you sitting here today and without a shadow of a doubt, you know Christ is your Savior? Do you know that for sure? Are you sitting there and you're going, hey, listen, I can rely, I'm guilty. But I don't know anything about this salvation thing. But the Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. You know what saves a man? You know what justifies a man? Faith. Faith alone in Christ alone plus nothing else. And do you know that thief on the cross? You know what he does? He does a lot of things. He axes all that good work stuff. You can't work your way. But he didn't, he couldn't. He wasn't in a position to work his way anywhere. Right? So there goes that. Well, you have to be baptized to be saved. Well, what do we know about the Lord? He's consistent. And if that was the case, that man would have had to be baptized. But there was a problem. He's hanging on the tree. So, wow, when you think about all the things that go on with that man on the cross, at the end of the day, we're able to say, the Lord changed that man. Do you remember the day that the Lord changed you? Do you remember that? Well, this morning, I wanted you to think about that as we come to our time of the Lord's Supper. To remember that man is guilty, the Lord is innocent, and he took on our sin. He paid the penalty for our sin. And do you know the most excruciating part of the cross was being forsaken by his father? That was the most excruciating. In, in fact, you remember the words of the Lord, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we know that he was separated from his father for a time. Do you know what will be the hell of hell? Separation from the one that made you. <laughs> That's what it'll be. So if you don't know Christ, that'll be the hell of hell. People talk about all the torment and suffering. I get all that. And the Bible speaks about that. But truly the excruciating pain for every unbeliever will be that they will be separated from their maker. Because the Bible does tell us this, that before that, before they spend an eternity in hell, the Bible does tell us this, that every knee... Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so they will know that going in to hell. Can you imagine that? Forever and ever. So I trust today that you know the Lord. I know him and I'm ready for him to come back. I don't want there to be another Christmas where I get Teresa the same gift. All right? (laughs) 
this morning, I'm going to ask the elders if they would come forward and um, as we share the Lord's uh, Supper together. And um, so if the elders and deacons who have been asked to come would, would do that. You know, I know we have some children here today, and, and I was thinking about, the Lord put that on my mind today, and I want the children to know why we do this, right? Can I just take a moment to, to share that? You know, kids, if you're out in the audience, you're like, man, why do these adults eat this bread and drink this juice? Why do they do that? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, right, that we're to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. And so by taking the bread, children, what we do is we take this piece of bread here, and we eat this piece of bread, and we eat it because we're remembering Christ's body. We're remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Kids, you understand that, right? You've heard that before? And so that's why we eat this bread. We remember Christ and the cross. We remember his suffering, his body. that literally was, in a sense, broken for us, right? And so then, after that, we take this juice, right? And we drink this juice. And this juice is somewhat red. And it reminds us, right, of the blood that was shed for us. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So, kids, listen, when you take this juice today, I'm sure your mom and dad have talked to you about this, but when you take this juice today, you're remembering that Jesus bled for you and that he died for you, all right? I just wanted to make mention of that. In case of the kids, I don't very rarely do this. So I just want to make mention of that, and that's for you adults as well, in case you didn't know, right? This is why we have the Lord's Supper, because the Bible commands it. The Bible commands us to do that. It commands us to remember. And being in a culture that forgets and forgets and forgets, we need to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And so that's why we partake of these elements, all right?